Alright y'all, what is going on? It is time for another edition of Never Out of Bounds, and of course, this is your man, L. Jamal. Uh, today, uh, this is just going to be primarily, uh, this episode is primarily going to be focusing on some sports. We're just going to recap uh, week three in the NFL preseason to kind of preview what's uh, what's in store for week four. Uh, we are also going to be going over some MLB news. Uh, we'll be going over the standings and some scores from last night as well. And uh, before we wrap everything up, I did want to get into my final thoughts on uh, Manny Pacquiao. Of course, he had his uh, major upset uh, last weekend, so I wanted to give my thoughts on that. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it, like I said, with uh, some preseason action. And uh, things started off last week with the Patriots getting it done against the Eagles, 35 to zip. In this one, Mac Jones will go 13 of 19 for 146 yards. Cam Newton will go 8 of 9 for 103 yards. He would also throw for a touchdown. J.J. Taylor was a leading leading rusher for the Patriots with 93 rushing yards and a touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson uh, is continuously uh, showing out. He would have 66 rushing yards last week as well as two touchdowns. And defensively, uh, Chase Vinovich would get five total tackles and two sacks. And uh, Harvey Lange would get five total tackles as well as a sack. He would get an interception as well. For the Eagles, uh, they will get... Uh, Joe Flacco give you, uh, Joe Flacco will give them 10 to 17 for 83 yards. He would throw a pick. Nick Mullins got some action too, but he would just go five or ten with an interception. Uh, of course, we got Elijah Holyfield, the leading leading rusher here with 31 yards on the ground. And defensively, Zach McPherson had nine total tackles. Again, from the Eagles, I haven't seen too much from them offensively. Um, I'm not gonna even contemplate how much better they would look with Jalen Hurts because. In my opinion, I think there's so many holes here that they need to address, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, Jalen Hurst is the issue here, or the quarterback for that matter. As far as the Patriots are concerned, um, both Cam and Mac looked uh, pretty decent. Uh, the problem is for Cam, he's had to miss a bunch of days of practice due to uh, some type of COVID testing violation he made, at least it was team rules wise, and uh, I believe he was admitted back to practice as of today. Uh, so again, Mac Jones has had some time to gain some ground in terms of that QB battle, but uh, you pretty much saw good both good football from both of them as far as I know. Uh, Cam is supposed to be the starter going into week one. Uh, you also got some solid play from their receivers as well. Rob receiver Gunner Ozowski will be the team's leading receiver with four catches and 57 yards. Uh, Jacoby Myers will get a, a receiving touchdown as well. So you have uh, some things to look at for the Patriots offensively. I don't think it's going to be, you know, all doom and gloom without Tom Brady, but uh, the question is definitely for them is who's going to be under center. Same thing for the Eagles is uh same thing for the Eagles though. Who's going to be under center? Although I'm not really buying whoever that they in their situation, I'm not buying whoever they got. For the Patriots, I could very well see Mac Jones having some success. Same thing with Cam Newton. Uh, they have a very solid defense, looks like to me, coming into this year. Uh, but for the Eagles, like I said, they have so many issues that they have to address. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, either quarter, any of these quarterbacks in the center is going to be necessarily the answer for them. Moving on, we got the Bengals getting done, getting it done against the Washington football team, 13 to 17. Uh, for the Bengals offensively, uh, Brandon Allen will go eight to seven, uh, 70 yards from him. He would have a rushing touchdown. Uh, not so, not a whole lot to say from the Bengals here offensively. Uh, 
But on defense, linebacker Keandre Jones would have seven total tackles. Uh, defensive back Darius Phillips would have an interception as well. For Washington, offensively, Tyler Heineke would lead the way. He would have a pretty solid game, 11 of 13 for 80 yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick saw some action too, going 7 of 13 for 96 yards. Uh, Jared Patterson will be the team's leading rusher with 71 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. Uh, as far as defense is concerned, uh, defensive back Daryl Roberts will be the team's leading tackler with four tackles there. For Washington, um, a pretty solid win for them. Um, I think they are kind of developing, I guess, who's going to be their, their future at quarterback with Tyler Heineke. I think uh, Fitz goes into the season as a starter. Something could happen and, you know, that could change. But I think one, this is his one last little shot. He seems to be solid as well. I'm um, a little bit concerned about what Washington has to offer in terms of their receivers. Uh, defensively, we already know they have a pretty solid defensive line uh, with Chase Young and also Montez Sweat. So don't look for that to be the issue there defensively. I would say look at that back end and see if they can generate some type of uh, turnovers as well, not and not just in you know in actually stopping teams uh, in terms of th in, in terms of passing the ball. Let's see if that uh, secondary in, in Washington can do that. As far as the Bengals are concerned, I don't know about uh, what Joe Burrow is going to look like. I'm hearing some uh, rumblings coming out of uh, their wide receiver, uh, wide receiver room that Jamar Chase, uh, their second-year wide receiver, is having some mighty struggles. So it's going to be interesting to see how they pull this together going into the season. Moving on, we got the Chiefs getting it done, getting it done against the Cardinals, 17 to 10. Uh, in this one, Patrick Mahomes saw some action. He would go 10 of 18. He would throw for 78 yards, but he would have a pick. Shane Buchel, uh, he would go 9 of 11 for 113 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw an interception as well. And Chad Henney, uh, really solid numbers from him. Um, probably looking to be the number two going into the year. Six of eight from him, 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, running back Derek Gore would have 54 rushing yards. And uh, McCall Hardman will go ahead and catch a touchdown for them as well. On defense, the Chiefs were led by defensive back uh, D. Baker. He would have four total tackles. And as a whole, as a whole, uh, the Chiefs defensive unit would fo would force five total sacks. So uh, looks like this year the Chiefs can get to the quarterback. That looks uh, that's always an issue. <laughs> if you if you are a team that can get to the quarterback, you are an issue. So uh, that looks like a good sign, at least in my opinion, from the Chiefs. Uh, from the Cardinals offensively, Colt McCoy will go 13 of 18 for 113 yards. He would throw a pick. He, unfortunately, he would be the team's leading rusher as well with 20 rushing yards. Chris Scrabbler would go 5 of 6 under center for 74 yards and a TD. Uh, the leading receiver here would be wide receiver Greg Dortch. He would have 44 yards receiving, but tight end Travis Ross would catch a touchdown pass. On defense, uh, the leading tackler for the, the Cardinals would be Tay, defensive back Tay Gowan. He would have six total tackles. Uh, moving on, uh, we got the, t uh, the Titans here getting a blowout win over the Bucks, 34-3. to Actually, yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised about that, but no Tom Brady. None of the real starters were out there. Uh, but Matt Barkley would go 12 of 16 uh, for the Titans for 115 yards, two touchdowns. Logan Woodside would go seven of eight for 64 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the leading rusher for the Titans would be Makai Sargent. He would have 73 yards on the ground, and the leading receiver would be Mason Kinsey. The wide receiver would have six 
uh, six catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Uh, wide receiver Des Patrick would have a touchdown as well. And defensively, defensive back Elijah Molden would have eight total tackles and a sack. Uh, moving on to the Buccaneers, offensively, Kyle Trask will get the start going to 13, going 13 to 16. Uh, with those two picks, the leading rusher for them will be uh, would be Keyshawn Vaughn. He would just have 18 yards on the ground. And defensively, linebacker Grant Stewart would have six total tackles and a sack. Moving on, we got the battle for the state of Texas, with the Texans getting it done against the Texans getting it done against the Cowboys. Excuse me, 20 to 14. Uh, David Mills would go. 10 of 16 for 115 yards for the Texans. Uh, we also got Mark Ingram getting a touchdown on the ground for them. Uh, defensively, Terrence Brooks would have eight total tackles and an interception. And defensive end, Charles Ominhu would have three total tackles and two sacks. Uh, for the Cowboys, Ben DiNucci would throw three picks. Cooper Rush would go 10 of 12 for 97 yards and two touchdowns. Rico Dowdle would be the, the team's leading rusher with 31 yards here. Cedric Wilson and uh, sorry, running back Tony, Tony Pollard would both catch touchdown passes. And defensively, linebacker Jabril, Clark, Jabril Cox would have four total tackles. And safety Dorian Thompson will get an interception. Uh, next, we have the Colts getting it done against the Vikings. 12-10 uh, was the final score here. Not a lot of offense to speak of. Jacob Eason will go 16-27 for the Colts for 132 yards. Sam Ellinger, the rookie, will go 8-13 for 70 yards and two interceptions. Uh, not too much on the running game side, but the leading receiver for the Colts will be Dens uh, Dens Desmond Patman. Uh, he would have four catches for 60 yards. And defensively, uh, George Odom, linebacker George Odom, would have will be the team's leading sack. Sorry, would be the team's leading tackle tackler with four. Uh, for the Vikings, uh, Jake Browning will get the start. He will go 6-15 for 82 yards. Kellen Mond will go 6-12 for 61 yards. Amir Abdullah will put up uh, 35 yards on the ground. And the leading receiver will be Chad Beebe with two catches for 47 yards. Defensively, uh, for the Vikings, they were led by linebacker Chad Surratt. He would have nine total tackles. And then linebacker Troy Dye would help out with four total tackles of his own and also a pick. Uh, we got the Raiders. Uh, they are 2-0 and in the preseason. Another solid win here, decent win here against the Rams, 17-16, uh, given what the Rams have defensively. And, of course, Nathan Peterson, I don't know why, uh, he gets to start again going 16-24, 172 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw two picks. Uh, he would be the team's leading rusher with 35 yards. Uh, Trey Rogers would uh, get a touchdown, though, on the ground. And a leading receiver would be Marcel Aitman, who would have two catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. Defensively, uh, the Raiders got help from safety Roger Teamer. He would have seven total tackles. And defensive back Nate Hobbs would come up with a big interception. Uh, for the Rams, uh, quarterback Bryce uh, Perkins would lead the way off, would lead the way for them. Excuse me, offensively, with uh, going 26 at the. 26 of 39 for 208 yards. He would have two touchdowns, but he would throw the pick. Uh, running back Jake Funk would have 56 yards on the ground. Wide receiver J.J. Koski would be the team's leading receiver with eight catches and 61 yards. And tight end Kendall Blanton and wide receiver Jacob Harris would both have a receiving touchdown. Defensively, defense, defensively, uh, cornerback Kareem Orr would have three tackles. Uh, and linebacker Chris Garrett would be the team's leading tackler with four. And he would also have one and a half sacks. I don't know how they count, count half sacks. Don't ask me. I don't know. Uh, we have another blowout here uh, with the Broncos getting it done against the Seahawks. Drew Locke goes 9 of 14 in this one. Uh, Teddy Bridge. 
Trudy Bridgewater, excuse me, goes 9 of 11 for 105 yards. He would also throw a touchdown. Uh, throw, for, throw a touchdown pass. So did their third string, Brett Rippian, uh, running back. Royce Freeman would have uh, 27 rushing yards. He would also have five catches and 44 yards. Tight end Sean Bayer and also wide receiver KJ Hamler would bring in receiving touchdowns as well. Um, defensively, Jonathan Cooper at the linebacker spot uh, would would have a sack. Defensive tackle uh, Deshaun Cooper would also have three total tackles as well as an interception. For the Seahawks, of course, nothing too much to mention here. Sean Man Sean Manny Sean Mannion, excuse me, would go 13 of 23 for 118 yards. Alice Go will get some action under center as well, going 9 of 13 for 91 yards, but he would throw for two picks. Uh, running back Josh Johnson would be the team's leading rusher with 30, 30 yards on the ground. And defensively, linebacker Jordy, Jordy Brooks would have seven total tackles. Moving on, yet another blowout. Uh, this time the Bills get the best of the Bears, 41 to 15. Mitch Trubisky goes off for 20 of 28, 221 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Running back Reggie Gillian would have two rushing two rushing touchdowns, and Devin Singletary would have a rushing touchdown of his own. Uh, wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie would be the team's leading receiver with seven catches and 72 yards, and Jake Pumaro would get himself a receiving touchdown. On defense, the Bills were led by defensive end Carlos Basham Jr. He would have five total tackles in a sack, and defensive back Nick McLeod would get him an interception as well. For the Bears, Andy Dalton would get the start going nine, uh, sorry, 11 of 17 for 146 yards. He would have a touchdown, but he would also throw that pick. Justin Fields would take a bunch of hits. Uh, he would finish 9 of 19, 80 yards through the air, 46 yards on the ground. Khalil Herbert would have a rushing touch touchdown. The leading receiver for the Bears would be wide receiver Rodney Adams with three catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, uh, defensive end Mario Edwards would get two sacks. Linebacker Tre Travis Gibson would get himself a sack as well. The Jets, uh, they get a win here. 20, uh, 23-14 against the Packers. In this one, Zach Wilson uh, seems to be getting used to uh, used to the game. Uh, 9 of 11 for him in this one, 128 yards. He would throw two touchdown passes. On the ground, the rookie Michael Carter would have 52 rushing yards. He was the team's leading rusher in this one. Corey Davis would be the team's leading receiver. He would have four catches for 70 yards, and tight end Tyler Croft would have two uh, touchdown catches. On defense, safety JT Hassel would have five total tackles in a sack, and defensive back Brandon Eccles would bring in an interception as well. For the Packers, Kurt Benkert would get the start under center, uh, going 18 to 25 for 151 yards. He would throw a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Patrick Taylor Jr. would have 48 rushing yards. Colin Hill would, uh, would provide a rushing touchdown. Uh, the leading receiver for the Packers would be Malik Taylor at the wide receiver spot with four catches and 66 yards. And tight end Jay Sternberger will bring in a touchdown as well. Defensively, uh, safety in his games would have six total tackles. And defensive tackle uh, TJ Slatton, uh, Slayton excuse me, would have four total tackles and a sack. The Dolphins, they get it done against the Falcons, 37-17. to Felipe Franks would just go 4-9 for 46 yards. He would throw a pick. Uh, just no offense, really, to speak of for the Falcons. Uh, defensively, uh, cornerback Chris Williamson would get six solo tackles. For the, for the Dolphins, offensively, two attack of Valor would go 16-23, 183 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Jacoby Brissett did pretty well. Uh, 
did pretty well too, going eight of eight for 99 yards. He would throw a touchdown pass. Uh, running back Malcolm Brown would have 43 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. Miles Gaskin would have a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. And wide receiver Kurt Merritt would score as well. Defensively, uh, linebacker Sam uh, Igwavolin would have 12 total tackles, and he would also have four sacks. And linebacker Calvin Munson would get an interception for the Dolphins as well. Uh, moving on, we got the Ravens getting it done against the Lions. 20-3 to was the final score here. Tyler Huntley will get some action for the Ravens going 24-34 for 187 yards. He would throw an interception. Nate McCrary would have 64 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Tyshawn Williams would have a rushing touchdown as well. The leading receiver for the Ravens will be tight end Josh Oliver. Again, this is like linebacker, the linebacker place. Uh, I'm sorry, not the linebacker, but the tight end spot. I mean, all the tight ends seem to be winding up in Baltimore. Seven catches, 50 yards. Uh, defensive back Nigel Warrior would have four total tackles. And sh uh, safety Sean, Deshaun Elliott and also defensive end Chris Smith would get sacks as well. Uh, for the Lions, offensively, Will Greer would get the start. He would go 11 of 14 for 144 yards. The leading receiver would be Terrence Marshall Jr. He'd have three catches for 50 yards. And defensively, uh, linebacker Josh Bynes would have nine total tackles for the Lions. Uh, moving on, uh, we got, forgive me, y'all, that was against the Panthers. Ravens get it done 20-3 versus the Panthers. But, again, the Lions, as usual, take an L2. They just lost to the Steelers 20-26. to uh, For the Lions, David Blau will go 12-17 for 143 yards and a touchdown. Uh, running back Craig Reynolds would have 29 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, we also got wide receiver Tom Kennedy, uh, the team's leading receiver with four catches and 61 yards. And wide receiver Javon McKinley would have a receiving touchdown. Defensively for the Lions, linebacker Derek Barnes will lead the way with six total tackles and a sack. <laughs> For the Steelers, uh, Mason Rudolph will get the start. Uh, he would go 13-18 uh, for 138 yards. Big Ben would also get some action as well, going 8-10 for 137 yards. He would throw two touchdown passes. Caitlin Bellage would be the team's leading rusher with 30 rushing yards. Eric Ebron would have 59 receiving yards. And tight end Pat Fairmuth would have two receiving touchdowns. Defensively for the for the Steelers, Miles Killebrew would have five total tackles, and linebacker Robert Spillane would have four total tackles. Uh, going into this week's matchup against the Panthers, uh, as far as I know, Dwayne Haskins is supposed to be getting the start nine in that one. Uh, so that should be interesting because they're still looking at they still seem to be interested in what the future could be possibly with him. Because you gotta understand, this is probably Big Ben's last year, so. Uh, one of those two, either Rudolph or uh, Haskins, it looks like, is going to be the guy. I don't think they're going to bring in. I don't think they feel the need right now to draft somebody in the, in the future. I think they're going to go with one of those two guys. Uh, moving on, uh, we got the Browns getting it done against the Giants here, 17-13. to uh, Offensively for the Giants, quarterback Mike Lennon will go 10-13 for 86 yards. Brandon Lewerke will get some action, too, going 5-8 for 47 yards. He would also throw a touchdown. Corey Clement will be the team's leading rusher with 30 yards, and Devontae Booker will get him a rushing touchdown on top of that. David Seals will be the team's leading receiver with three catches and 31 yards. He would also have a touchdown. And defensively, defensive tackle David Moore would have six total tackles, and linebacker Carter Coughlin would have four total tackles and a sack. 
Offensively for the Browns, Kyle, quarterback Kyle Laletta will go 12 of 20 for 125 yards. Case Keenan will go 9 of 12 for 74 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would also throw a pick. And running back John Kelly will go will have 35 yards on the ground. He would also have a touchdown. Uh, wide receiver Davian Mills would have uh, would have would be the team's leading receptor leading receiver, excuse me, with three catches and 45 yards, and wide receiver Kadero Hodge would have a receiving touchdown as well. Defensively, uh, for the Browns, uh, linebacker Elijah Lee would have eight total tackles, and safety uh, Javante Moffitt would also have six total tackles. Uh, next, we have the, the Niners getting it done against the Chargers. In this one, rookie Trey Lance uh, got the start going 8-14, of 14, 102, yards, 102 yards. He would also throw two touchdown passes. He would throw a pick. Wayne Gallman will be the team's leading rusher with 72 yards on the ground. Uh, Rob receiver Trent Sherfield will be the team's leading receiver. He would have two catches for 50 yards, but Travis Benjamin and Muhammad Tanu will both uh, catch, uh, catch touchdowns for the Niners. On, def on defense, Mac Harris would have four total tackles. And defensive end, Contavia Street, safety, and, uh, sorry, safety uh, Kai Nakua, defensive ends Alex Barnett and Eric Armstead would all have sacks as well. Uh, for the Chargers, uh, for the Chargers, uh, Chase Daniel will go 14 to 21 for 60 yards and a touchdown. Easton Stick would also get some action going 10 to 14 for 85 yards. He would have a touchdown as well. Wide receiver Jalen Guyton would have 39 receiving yards. He was a team's leading receiver. Wide receiver Josh Palmer would have a receiving touchdown. And defensively, uh, linebacker Cole Christensen would have seven total tackles. And defensive end Jesse Lemonnier would have four total tackles and a sack. Finally, uh, we got on Monday night, uh, we got everything uh, wrapped up with the Saints taking on the Jaguars. The Saints get the best of the Jags in this one, 20, 23-21. Uh, Trevor Lawrence got the start for the Jags, going 14-23. He would have 113 yards to the air. Cardinal Mission would get some action. Uh, he would go 13 of 21 for 149 yards. He would throw an interception. And for what it's worth, Gardner Minshew has not looked that great this preseason. I would not be surprised uh, if the Jags decided to go with, you know, Trevor just because of the eye test. Interceptions don't really look that good for people, uh, for quarterbacks. And Minshew has thrown at least three, uh, I would say at least three so far in the preseason. It hasn't looked that good so far. So don't be surprised if the rookie might get the start. Uh, going into week one, in my opinion. C.J. Beathard will go 9-14. He will go for 121 yards. He would also have two touchdowns. James Robinson, uh, well, he was a team's leading rusher. It wasn't so, so much of a rushing game to mention. He only had 13 yards there. Rob receiver uh, Jeff Cotton would be the team's leading receiver with four catches and 50 yards. He would have a touchdown catch. Rob receiver Colin Johnson would have a receiving touchdown as well. Defensively, linebacker Shaquille Quarterman would have five total tackles. And defensive end Jihad Ward would have a sack as well. Uh, on defense, I'm sorry, on offense, the Saints were led by quarterback Jason Taysom Hill. Uh, 11 of 20 for him, 138 yards, and he would throw a touchdown. Dennis Winston was uh, pretty damn good as well. 9 of 10 for 123 yards. He would throw two touchdowns. Uh, the leading receiver will be Marquez Callaway with five catches for 104 yards. He would have two touchdowns. And, um, you know, his name, this guy's here, his name is Lil Jordan. I'm not calling no grown man Lil Jordan. I just, I don't like the concept of that. I'm going to call him Mr. Jordan Humphrey 
four catches from him, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Defensively, the Saints were led by safety Chauncey Gardner. He would have six, six total tackles. And linebacker Wilton McManus, he would have six total tackles and a sack. Um, as far as any you know, real news to take away this time around, not a whole lot. Um, just honestly, today at least, I want to talk about all these fights that I've been hearing about and seeing at these um, at these joint practices. First up, you got uh, Antonio Brown, of course, with the Buccaneers and Chris Jackson of the Titans. Uh, apparently, you know, according to AB, he would be held by Jackson. And he tees off. He goes and, you know, takes off his helmet, off Jackson's helmet. He's punching him in the face. You got clear, crisp camera angles to catch all this. Uh, there's no video, but there's, of course, pictures everywhere. And, of course, all that travels around the Internet. Um, I don't think neither one of these guys get into serious trouble. I think this is just part of, you know, what happens, you know, you're out in the hot sun, you got these test, uh, this testosterone going and, and stuff gets testy. I get it. You know, you're going right up against each other. Uh, you're competing against each other. You're, you know, offense versus defense. So you're going to have that natural competition there. So it's just how it is. You also got Sterling Shepard, uh, the Giants taking on Troy Hill at another joint practice. Uh, Troy Hill, I'm sorry, the Browns uh, defensive back. And again, you know, offense, defense, you know, Sterling Shepard being the receiver, Troy Hill being the defensive back. Same situation with Antonio Brown and Chris Jackson. Although I don't think any punches got really landed in this one. Uh, you saw Sterling Shepard get a little bit heated. He had to be... Um, you know, he had to be calmed down by one of his teammates. Oh, John Ross uh, being being a great teammate, calming things down. Um, for what it's worth, though, I don't I, I don't think of, I've heard of an offseason where all this fighting and, and at these practices went down. I mean, if you look at a couple months before, uh, at least a month, I don't want to go too far, but at least a month, uh, you had, a month ago, you had uh, Aaron Donald fighting at another at a, at a joint practice with the Cowboys. So, it gets it gets crazy out here. I think the craziest fight though of the week was with the Steelers fans. Now apparently at this at this preseason game, in which they won, of course, uh, I don't know if these parties were drunk or whatever, but there's this white chick. You know, again, um, I don't know what gives people the right to do this, but she's over there mouthing off, and again, that didn't call for her to get punched at, and she didn't get punched at for none of that. But it was when she decided to slap this black man that he decided to um, to beat up her and the dude that came with her. And that's pretty much, I feel like he was in the right to do that. <laughs> so uh, keep your hands off, people. I don't care how drunk you get. I don't care what type of situation you're in. Um, I feel like if somebody puts their hands on you, man or woman, you have the right to defend yourself. I'm not saying you get to go to just go up and beat on women. I don't condone that. Don't get me started. Don't don't try to misuse my words. I'm clearly saying in this situation, the man was was slapped. And if you are slapped or punched, whether it's a man or a woman, you have the right to defend yourself. And at least in my opinion, I don't know uh, how uh, if he if they decide to sue him or whatever or try to try to set charges. You know how they do. They get beat up and then they want to press the charges. They they well they after they started some shit. Then they want to press the charges. So, you know how that go. I hope we don't get no charges, no pressed against him, because that would have been that. That's some bitch shit if that's the case, because clearly she went out of her way to slap him. And I'm in the same boat as him. Don't do not do it. I might look friendly. Don't do it. Don't look the light skin for you. I'll slap you just like him. Don't don't play. Don't play with me. 
Um, anyways, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to be talking about some baseball. We have an update here. We're going to be going over some news. Uh, first off, we're going to be starting off with the Padres. Uh, we're going to talk about last night's game against the Dodgers and also some coaching, sta- uh, coaching staff changes that they had to make. Uh, we also I also want to go over some of the best foreign programs in uh, all of baseball as well. Talk about how they're developing their players and who to kind of look out for the future. And also, like I said, we were going over some more scores from last night and also the standings as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. Yeah. Let me tell you about the pain that I'm broken home. Let me tell you about the flesh wounds and broken bones. Let me tell you about the absence of a roller stone. Mama said he want to lead. Let that nigga go. Shout out SSI because them the chicks that we've been living on. Fuck the IRS that half a ticket that they hit me for. I'm sipping slow. Told the road I quit. It's hard to kick it though. At least I don't promote it on the gram. This my addiction though. And I'm the pain that I be going through. Who are you to judge? I miss you, Brenda. I sure without you. I've been secluded, love. These people use your love against you, they abuse your love. She been abused by all these men in the pursuit of love. We suited up. Never mind the peons who ain't doing enough. Compassion for the hopeless and homeless. All right, y'all. So we are back. Uh, like I said, I wanted to break down uh, the MLB for a little bit. And uh, like I said, the biggest story uh, well, coming in from last night was the 16 inning uh, just showdown between NL West showdown between the the Dodgers and the Padres of course this is the opening game of their series uh, for the Padres this was very important I had mentioned uh, beforehand uh, that their record uh, between the Dodgers and the Giants uh, was pretty close uh, to being even uh, it was like 11 and 8 now it's 11 and 9 with last night's 5 to 3 loss um, the majority of their final um, 19, well, I believe it's 32 games are going to come, at least it's for the Padres, are going to be coming against the Dodgers or the Giants, uh, the Dodgers and the Giants. So, again, it was a very interesting, this is a very interesting chance to see uh, what's going on with them. Uh, you know, kind of, this is this is kind of how their, their season is going to play out. I also got a little bit of more news about them as well um, on the coaching front. But like I said, with last night, uh, they would fall uh, in 16 innings to the Dodgers, 5-3. The Dodgers moved to 80-47 and 47 on the year. And, of course, the Padres with the loss, they are now 68-60. and 60. Uh, In this one, outfielder A.J. Pollock would hit a two-run home run. This came late for the Dodgers. Uh, Catcher Will Smith would hit a home run as well. And Trey Turner would get an RBI uh, on top of that. And pitcher Corey uh, Cribble will get the win here to go 3-0 on the year. Now for the Padres, Fernando Tatis would drive in a two-run homer. And also left fielder, sorry, yes, left fielder Will Myers would get an RBI as well. Like I said, for... Uh, the Padres, uh, this is a very interesting spot for them. Uh, they were at once, and for a good part of the season, uh, for good reason, uh, they were one of the top wild card teams. It was neck and neck between them and the Dodgers for so long. But what has happened is the Dodgers have uh, superseded that to the point where they're actually two and a half games behind the Giants. So this is a very big situation here. And also you have the Cincinnati Reds who've come out of nowhere and have gained some, gained some uh, ground to the point now where they've actually taken, taken over the Padres spot in that second wild card. Uh, so again, uh, with the Reds, they've gone 6-4 in the last 10, although they suffered back-to-back losses. It's not as bad 
as what uh, the Padres have been going through right now. They're they're also two of eight. Uh, they're well, they're two of eight in their last ten, and they've coming off three losses in a row. And again, it just gets harder because the majority, not only is the majority of their opponents, at least going down the the rest of the stretch, going to be the you know, of course, the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, pretty much everybody is going to be in playoff contention as well. So with all this going on, um, the Padres wanted to make a change earlier this week. Uh, they will go ahead and let go of their pitching coach, um, Larry Rothschild. He will be replaced by, I believe it's uh, Ben Frentz. Yes, he's a, he was their bullpen coach. Uh, he's been there been with the team for about seven seasons uh, for Rothschild. It was just his second year with the team. Uh, like I said, uh, the Padres now stand at 68, I believe it's 68 and 59, and they have lost pretty much um, 10 of the last 12 and are, um, I would say, I think at this point, at least a solid game. Yeah, still a solid game behind the Reds right now for that second wild card spot. Uh, up until this point with the Dodgers, uh, this series with the Dodgers, they have been swept three straight times, and they currently have a team ERA of 5.63, um, and this was for the month of August. But with that being said, that is the fourth highest in the National League. Their starters, their starters, excuse me, also ranked 10th in the league, the National League for that matter, in the ERA, and they're also last in innings per start. So um, they're giving up a lot of runs, and because of them giving up a lot of runs, they're not uh, getting um, well, they're not getting a whole lot of innings. They're not getting a lot of quality starts, so they're getting pulled early. And pretty much to qualify for a win, if you're the starting pitcher, is to get at least five innings of work. Um, and, of course, your team has to end up winning the game. But for you to be granted a win in that effort, you have to at least, as a starting pitcher, put up at least five innings. Again, for the relievers, I don't know how they do it, but I know for the starting pitcher, you got to put in at least five innings. So what's happening is they're blowing, uh, they're blowing their starts early and they're getting yanked, and it's not a good look. Um, they also, you know, this offseason, they traded for a couple of good pitchers with Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish. But for what it's worth, for what it's worth, excuse me, it has not come through for them. So uh, for the Padres, again, they have a rough road. I, I, all the best to them. They're going to need all the luck. Uh, moving on, uh, one more bit of news. I wanted to talk about your boy, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, he finally got his fifth 500th home run last week, uh, of course, uh, versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he is uh, actually one of three players, that active players, that have either reached that or close to reaching that. Um, Albert Pujols actually leads all active players right now with 677. Uh, you also got Nelson Cruz. Uh, he's about 41. If he's not, if he's not in his 40s, excuse me, he's definitely in his late 30s. So he's getting up there. Uh, but he's at 443. And um, you know, this is a you know, this is a milestone uh, for a lot of guys, especially in my opinion, for these guys that have done it. Uh, clean for the most part. I never heard anything, any rumblings about uh, Cabrera uh, juicing. Uh, he's been a solid hitter his entire career. Um, I've, I've seen him in action. I'm an A's fan, so I've seen him in many playoff series uh, be the reason why we lost. I understand that. You know, I get it. I'm not mad at the man. Uh, 500 is a, is a significant milestone. Um, in my opinion, if we're talking about the best home run hitters, um, I'm going with I'm going with Hank Aaron. 
Um, I know people are going to say, well, Barry Bonds is, well, Barry Bonds is the cheat. I'm just going to outright say it. So I got a lot of love for the people who did it without having to cheat. So the Gary Sheffields, the Miguel Cabreras, uh, the Ken Griffey Juniors, even even um, your boy uh, Babe Ruth gets some love for me. But I don't, I, anybody that was juicing, Rafael Palmero, Mark McGuire, fuck him, even, even Roger Clemens, he ain't shit to me. He ain't shit compared to Bob Gibson. He ain't shit compared to somebody like Nolan Ryan, who did it legit for many years. I'm sorry. I ain't got a lot of love for somebody like, you know, that's somebody who cheats. I, I But uh, somebody like Miguel, who's who's been with his squad for years, uh, again, um, especially in a year like this, uh, for the Tigers, uh, things are not going so well. They're currently third in the division. They're looking on the, they're on the outside looking in in terms of the playoffs, most likely not going to make it. Uh, these are just some of the things that, uh, kind of, you know, keep that, keep, keep smiles and keep people, you know, happy. And I, I think it was a good moment for him. Uh, speaking of the Tigers, uh, again, they don't have a whole lot of great stuff going for them. However, uh, they are one of the top 10 farm programs in Major League Baseball. Now, what is a farm program? This is pretty much um, what we call the minor league systems, triple uh, A, single A. Uh, they have so many layers of the tri of those as well, like A plus, A minus. It's it's just, just considered as the minors. This is where the players go and develop. And what happens is usually, particularly in baseball in particular, uh, there's a lot of high school guys that get, that get drafted. And there's a lot of guys in general that are not going to be day one starters in on an MLB team. So they spend a few years on, uh, on a minor league squad and kind of build their way up. Sometimes they start from rookie ball. They have to build up from A to single A, double A, triple A. Some are sent to, uh, straight to triple A or double A, depending on their level of talent coming into the league. Uh, but usually uh, in the MLB, you know, like I said, there is no real day one starters. It's not like you can get drafted out of college or in the, out of high school. Like you, if you were in the NBA, like back in the day, like Kobe, and uh, you, you find yourself in a starting lineup. It doesn't always work that way. So again, it's always good to develop these players as well. And these are some of the best teams that are doing that right now in baseball, regardless of what their current record or their current standing in the league is looking like. So this is what we got. At number 10, we have the Reds. Uh, they came into this preseason ranked at number 21. Uh, but they're, one of their top prospects right now is pitcher Hunter Green. He's the number 27th pros, number 27 prospect in the MLB right now. Uh, he's nine of six this year on the uh, minor league on the minor league circuit with 127 strikeouts and two uh, 2.99 2 ERA with a 1.1 WHIP. So again, in terms of pitching stats, win and loss, uh, you don't necessarily want to just go by that completely because again, there's a lot of factors that go into that like run differential. So if your team scores a lot of runs, you're probably going to get a lot of wins. If your team doesn't help you out necessarily uh, offensively or necessarily defensively, let's let's say they make errors, they don't turn into a lot of double plays. Sometimes your win-loss record might not be that great. So one of the things that I, I definitely have been learning is that scouts do scouts definitely like the ERA, also the WHIP. You know, WHIP is uh, walks and hits per you know nine innings. So anything below one is solid for the ERA. Anything below three is really good. Uh, three is about average. Three and a half, three point five ERA is because I would consider that to be average. Um, in terms of strikeouts, anything above one hundred is pretty much is worth a look at they also got pitcher uh nick la ladolo uh and they have drafted seven players uh seven top 30 players in this year's draft alone 
Uh, moving on, we go on to number nine, where we got the Diamondbacks again. Uh, this is a team that is struggling this year near the bottom of their division, not going to make it to the playoffs. However, they have some decent things going for them in terms of their future, possibly. Uh, they have three top 100 prospects, including shortstop Jordan Lawler, they also, uh, who was ranked number 13. They also got the number 24. 21 uh, rated prospect and outfielder Corbin Carroll. Uh, this year, uh, Carroll is batting a 435 with a 552 on base percentage. He also has a 1.46 OPS uh, with a few, a couple home runs so far, a few RBIs, and just 23 at bats. A lot of these guys are just getting into their career. Uh, again, the, the draft was a lot of about weeks ago so again these guys are just getting into the mix of things uh moving on to number eight we have the giants here uh they had a preseason preseason rank of number 11 uh but they have four top 100 prospects including shortstop uh mark marco luciano uh he's batting at a 270 right now uh he has a 358 on base percentage and an 868 ops with 19 home runs and 67 rbis this season uh they also got uh the number 16 prospect and catcher joey bart and also they drafted uh this in this uh class this year they also top they also drafted top pitchers kyle harrison and also will bednar uh for the tigers we mentioned them before they have an, they have a pretty solid um, farm system right now with three top 100 prospects, including uh, first baseman uh, Spencer Torkelson, who they drafted out of Arizona State. He should be making his pro debut uh, at some point. Well, of course, next season. Uh, 269 average from him right now. Uh, he has a 383 on base percentage with a 535 uh, slugging percentage with a not with a, a point. Uh, .918 OPS with 19 home runs and 66 RBIs. We also got outfielder Riley Green, who is a number seven prospect right now in all of baseball. 298 uh, average, 381 on base percentage with a 520 slugging, and he also has a 900 OPS. He's also batting over 15 home runs, 17 17 to be exact, with 62 RBIs. They also got the number number 50 prospect and pitcher Jackson Joe. Uh, to the to the to the sixth spot we have the Rays here. Uh, their top their top prospects include pitcher Shane Bass, who's number twenty right now. Uh, he's currently three and four this year in terms of his win and loss record. But you know, again, look beyond a little bit, look a little bit beyond that for pitchers. Uh, look into that ERA. It is a two point three, which is good. Ninety Ks is solid as well, and a zero point eight one WHIP in sixty two innings. Those that that whip stat is definitely something not to sneeze at, and again, the scouts are looking at that. That is probably probably why he's highly ranked right now is having a whip below one. Uh, we also got second baseman Vidal Bruhan, a number twenty second ranked recruit. Uh, sorry. Um, prospect right now uh, 289 average 375 on base with an 856 OPS he has nine home runs this year 46 RBIs and also 33 stolen bases they also got outfielder Josh Lowe who was ranked at number 79 uh, we are halfway there we have the Royals now uh, their top prospects include uh, shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, of course his dad was I want to say an MLB all-star as well uh, uh, 297 average, two, uh, 364 on base, 955 OPS, uh, 27 home runs this season, as well as 80 RBIs. He also has 21 uh, stolen bases. Uh, we also got pitcher Daniel Lynch, 
number uh, he's ranked number 59. We also got first baseman Nick Prado. Uh, he has four seasons in the minors so far. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a little bit concerned about that, but at the same time, you would think at some point maybe he crosses over. You know, I mean, maybe he's had at least a stint. I don't even think he's had a stint just yet. Uh, but as far as his four seasons in the majors are concerned, he has a 249. Oh, uh, sorry, two. Overall, 249 batting average, uh, three, uh, 335 on base percentage, a 438 slugging with a 772 OPS. He has had 52 uh, home runs so far and 213 RBIs. I, I mean, I look at those numbers and say, you know, why not? At least a, a, an appearance and some spot duty, maybe put him on a 40-man roster, which means he can kind of go back and forth if needed. Um, he also has a nine, uh, would have, sorry, he has a point nine eighty nine. Uh, fielding percentage, which is I would consider to be about average of uh, of his position of of the starters you see on that level. So, I think it's a matter of before time, matter of time for somebody like him. Uh, we also got uh, pitcher Asa Lacy, uh, the number seventy two rated prospect uh, with the Royals. Uh, moving on to the Pirates, uh, they have a preseason rank. They were ranked in the preseason at number eight, so they moved up a little bit, uh, more so due to the production of uh, catcher Henry Davis. The number 23 rated prospect. Uh, so far, he has a 308 average on the year, 387 on base, uh, 808 slugging percentage with a 1.195 OPS, 15 home runs, 48 RBIs. We also got shortstop Nick Gonzalez, ranked number 68. And then finally, we have pitcher Quinn Priester, number 53 uh, ranked. Uh, this season, he has a 5 and 3 win loss record, uh, 3. Uh, sorry, 3.08 ERA with a 1.22 WHIP. He also has 74 Ks, uh, 74 strikeouts. Excuse me. And he averages about 8.4 strikeouts per game, so a little bit over eight strikeouts per game, which is pretty solid. Um, I, I don't think you see again a whole lot of. Uh, and again, it, it is a different level, of course. But again, I, I think you know on average you'll see a, a major league guy get maybe average about maybe four or five a game. Uh, at least your average guys. I don't know about Serge Scherzer and those strikeout kings. And you got Walker Bueller right now who can strike out anybody. But I'm pretty sure. I mean, for for the for you know, for what it's worth, he's he should be on that level. Uh, at number three, we have the Marlins. Um, their top prospects, excuse me, include uh, shortstop Khalil Watson. Uh, really solid hitting splits from him, although his playing time has been limited. Uh, limited. He's just, you know, he's just recently been drafted, but he is a number twenty-eight prospect. But he has a three forty-six average, four sixty-nine on base, and a five hundred slugging percentage. We also got outfielder J.J. Bleedy. He has eleven home runs, also forty-three RBIs. They also added two top one hundred prospects in, from last year's draft, including pitcher Max Mayer and also pitcher Jake Eater. Uh, moving on to the Mariners, uh, they are the number two team here. Uh, their top prospects include outfielder Julio Rodriguez. This year, he's eating, he's eating a 322 average with a 401 on base and a 537, um, 537 slugging percentage. He's also has a 9. 939 OPS. He has 97, sorry, 27 home runs, 137 RBIs in his minor league career, which has stretched th uh, stretched three seasons. Uh, they also got shortstop 
Nolevi Marte this season. He's batting at a 276, uh, 361, and also 476, respectively. He has an 837 OPS with 17 home runs and 66 RBIs. Uh, they were also able to bring in another number 36 prospect pitcher, Emerson Hancock. And finally, we have the Orioles here. Uh, they were ranked in the preseason at number one. They still remain the top farm system um, in baseball uh, despite their struggles. Um, yeah, so far in pro ball. Yeah, they're just struggling this year. Uh, but they have some they have some hope, I'm guessing. I'm hoping. Uh, first off, the top prospects include catcher Adley Rutschman, uh, 276 average, 386 on base, 484 slugging uh, this year with 23 home runs uh, and 87, oh, sorry, 87 RBIs. Uh, and uh, this is in two years with the with the Baltimore, uh, Baltimore AAA affiliate, uh, we also got pitcher Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, he's eight and one so far this season. Uh, this is going between Double A and A ball, Single A ball. So he's been on two different levels so far. Uh, two five, two fifty four ERA. Uh, he has a zero point eight forty seven WHIP, and he has been in eighty five innings so far. Eighty five innings so far pitched on both levels. Uh, they also got pitcher D.L. Hall at number seventy eight. Uh, and they have, uh, well, for the Orioles, uh, they have drafted both the top prospect in baseball. Uh, well, they have, they currently have the highest rated prospect in all of baseball, and they also have the highest rated pitcher uh, prospect as well. So, again, uh, things are ugly for the, the Orioles this year, uh, but maybe in the future things can improve. Speaking of which, and struggling, let's talk about the standings uh, again with last night's uh, uh, victory uh, in terms of the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh, we have some, we have some movement, or at least some things being solidified in the wild card races, and also in these divisional races as well. So in the American League, in the Eastern Division, of course, the Rays remain on top at 79 and 48. They are eight and two in their last uh, 10. Uh, and they're also riding a four game winning streak. Uh, they're currently 41 and 23 at home, 38 and 25 away. Uh, this team can't really doesn't really lose that much. They're 44 and 34 against teams above 500. Uh, we have the Yankees here, the second place spot, 74 and 52, four games back from them. Uh, they're riding an 11 game winning streak. Uh, behind them, we have the Red Sox at 72 and 56, seven and a half games back, five and five of the last ten. Uh, but they have. Uh, busted through expectations. They were supposed to be at 69 and 59 right now. Uh, they're currently at 72 and 56 and in position to hold on to, well, at least they're in the second place uh, position for the wild card. So if the season were to end today, they would technically be in the playoffs. Uh, behind them, we had the Blue Jays at 66 and 59 and of course the Orioles here at 39 and 68. Uh, up next in the Central Division, we have the Chicago White Sox here. Uh, they are 73 and 55, five and five in the last 10. They are 31 and 32 away from home, and they are also 28 and 33 against teams above 500. So that is their Achilles heel. It will be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs. Being, yeah, yeah being that they can't win on the road and they don't really beat playoff bound teams. Uh, they are, they happen to feast on a very 
easy winnable division here uh, with the Indians they are at 562 and 62 the Tigers are 61 and 67 the Royals are 56 and 70 and the Twins are 55 and 71 out west oh, yeah out west we have the Astros here uh, they remained on top so far 75 and 52 5 and 5 in the last 10 they're riding two back-to-back -back wins they have a plus 183 run differential uh, and they have 683 runs scored and that is the most in all of baseball so again they score a lot of runs they have a really good pitching staff what can you do the A's are behind them at 70 and 57 of course uh, four straight losses for them five games back 20 and 28 and 40 against teams above 500 that's just not gonna get it done unfortunately and that's all we're gonna be pretty much facing uh, throughout the rest of the way uh, including teams like the Mariners who are 60 69 and 58 uh, close to even overtaking this again in the, the wild card division. They're 73 in their last 10, three wins in a row. Uh, however, they do have a negative 56 run differential, so they don't score a whole lot of runs. That might come back to haunt them uh, even later on. Uh, but uh, for the for the next uh, for the next spot here at number four, we have the Angels here at 63 and 65. Uh, despite the play of Shia Atani. Um, again, this is looking like another outside looking in playoff type of year. Uh, we had the Rangers, of course, at the bottom, uh, 44 and 82. Again, nothing to write home about. Never really is. Uh, that team sucks. Just keeping it lit. Uh, moving to the National League, uh, we are in the East. We have the Braves here, 68 and 58, 8 and 2 in their last 10. Uh, they are riding back-to-back -back losses, however. And this team is another one that struggles against squads that are above 526 and 32 to be exact. So, again, it'll be interesting, even though it looks like they're probably going to win this division, um, you know, for what it's worth. But I think the playoffs are going to be a real struggle for, for them. Uh, moving on, uh, we have the Phillies. They are 63-63, and 63, uh, five games back, back-to-back uh, -back losses for them as well. Uh, they are also 26-36 and 36 away from home. A lot of their games for the rest of this season, uh, for the rest of this season are going to be away from home. So, yeah. The Mets, 61-65, seven games back, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. You already know they don't hit the ball well. They don't pitch well. They pitch decently. Uh, I want to take that back. However, Jacob DeGrom is on the 10-day IL, uh, so we should we shall see how things progress with that. Uh, in the in the fourth place spot, we have the Nationals, 54 and 71. They've fallen off the wagon completely. So with the Marlins, they were at one point kind of competitive, uh, but they've uh, fallen off the wayside. The Nationals are 40, sorry, 54 and 71. The Marlins are 52 and 75. In the Central Division, we have the Brewers here. Uh, they are 78 and 49, eight and two in the last 10, four wins in a row. Uh, 29 and 25 against teams above 500, so they they're getting it done. Um, they're winning uh, a lot. Uh, they can get, they're streaky, so they can get wins in a row, which is always good. And again, they beat they're beating the teams that are going to the playoffs or are in contention for the playoffs. That is what counts. Um, can't say too much bad about them. Um, the Reds are 69 and 65, uh, nine and a half games behind them. Uh, they are 64 in the last 10. Uh, they are riding back-to-back -back losses. Uh, however, they are still in a position where they had the second uh, wild card spot. So, the, like again, if the season were to end today, they would make it to the playoffs. Um, this is a dangerous team offensively. 642 runs scored. They're second in the NL. So again, look out for them. They can score. Uh, their pitching staff is coming alive. So. Um, the Reds could make a run. The Reds could definitely make a run. Uh, behind them, we have the Cardinals, 64 and 67. Uh, they're pretty much, I mean, at this point, outside looking in, 
Um, they might be able to catch up in the wild card race, possibly. Um, I wouldn't bet on it. That's just me. Uh, we have the Pirates here at 46 and 81, um, and that's it. Moving on to the West, we have the Giants here at 82 and 44, 73 in their last 10. They are riding a four-game winning streak. Uh, again, we've we've talked about them. They they lead in a lot of different stat categories. Um, yeah, they they in terms of pitching, they have at least two or three top ten pitchers. At least two top ten pitchers. They have two or three top ten hitters. Uh, what can you say? The Giants, best team in baseball right now. Uh, the Giants, I'm sorry, the Dodgers are right there behind them though. 80 and 47, two and a half games back, nine and one in the last ten. They're coming off back to back wins, plus 209 run differential. That is the highest in baseball. Uh, again, their pitching staff is phenomenal. They brought in Max Scherzer to help them out, uh, even despite. Um, you know, the issues with Trevor Bauer, him not playing, they seem to be a really good pitching team. Uh, they are 500 against teams against teams that are above 500. So, again, make or break time for them. Um, at least, I think they have a, they have, I mean, I, at this point, I think they look good, you know, making it to the playoffs. I think there's a, there's a high probability that they do so. I just think now it's about how good they look against those teams that they're probably going to be facing. I mean, again, they have. I mean, these are all. But I mean, again, baseball is nothing but potential series. I mean, you're playing these teams three or four times, and then you take a break and you play them later on in the season three or four times. That's pretty much how you get to 162 games. So, the the key now for the Dodgers is how good you're going to look against these teams that are in the playoff hunt, like the Padres. So you got to play a bunch of times. Uh, speaking of which, the Padres, like I mentioned before, um, 15 games back in terms of the uh, their division. Two games back, uh, I believe a game back now in terms of the wild card. Uh, two and eight in their last ten. Like I said, three losses in a row. They're firing their pitching coach. Uh, they're having some real issues in terms of pitching. I don't know if there's enough right now to get them over the hump. Uh, they, I mean, you gotta hope. If you're if you're a Padres fan, you gotta hope. And number four, we have the Rockies, fifty-eight and sixty-nine. And then finally, we have the Diamondbacks here at forty-three and eighty-five. So again. Uh, we're looking at the wild card uh, in the AL. We have the Yankees and the Red Sox, all AL East right now. Uh, we do have the A's in the running, uh, and then we also have the Mariners right behind us. Uh, looks like maybe a half, yeah, a half game back from us, so who knows what happens in the next week or in the next few days or so. A's could be completely out of the playoff running in general uh, because you also have – uh, the Blue Jays kind of in, you know, kind of in the mix a few games behind us. Ain't no telling. I mean, again, the Mariners are just a half game back. Um, they've been our tough. I mean, they've been on the rise. I mean, they've been hot, you know, really as of late uh, as well. So, you know, tough road for the A's. They're going to have to find some way to stay consistent. As far as the NL is concerned, of course, uh, as far as the wild card, uh, we have the Dodgers and we have the Reds right now. Um, that's who I see right now. Again, if the season were to end tomorrow or today, this is who we got. Uh, I think the Reds are riding a, a hot hand right now. The Padres, not so much. I think the, the Reds can actually hold on to this playoff spot and, and at least get to that wild card berth. All right, y'all, I'm going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be breaking down some Manny Pacquiao. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. Uh, before I let y'all go, like I said, I wanted to give my last thoughts on uh, Manny Pacquiao, at least last week's uh, contest. 
Now, last week, um, he was in a WBA Super Welterweight Championship tilt with title holder uh, Jordanese Ugas from Cuba. Now, of course, uh, Ugas would come into this one relatively unknown at 26-4 and four with 12 KOs. Uh, Manny would come in here, of course, uh, multiple-time world champion, eight-time to be exact, uh, multiple-time lineal champion, which means he was the man to be at his respective division. Uh, Pacquiao's record coming into this one was 62-7 and seven with 39 KOs. Now, what resulted into this? What resulted in this one was, of course, a unanimous decision for Ugas, the, the title holder. Now, of course, this fight uh, kind of came at, you know, at least a couple weeks' notice. Um, of course, Pacquiao had been gearing up for his potential big-time fight with Errol Spence. Uh, however, inter well, however, unfortunately uh, for Spence, he suffered a detached retina. And the fight had to be at least postponed. Now, with the results of this fight, I don't know if you see Manny Pacquiao, um, you know, in that, uh, you know, again in that setting. Now, in this one, um, I think you can say a lot about, of course, uh, Manny wasn't ready for this per opponent per se. Of course, uh, Jordanese was a much bigger guy. He had a bigger reach, a longer reach, excuse me. And uh, he just had some advantages. I don't think Manny was expecting right away or had prepared for, of course. I, I do give him the benefit of that. Uh, however, you know, I do think, you know, father time plays a little bit into this as well. I don't think he would have just had an easier bout with Spence either. Um, I don't want to say you get the same result, but um, to be honest with you, I, I didn't have I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have this, you know, well, what I want to say is, what I want to say is, I don't think the result against Spence would have been that much different, to be honest with you. Uh, Jordanese was a stronger, bigger guy. Again, he used his height effectively. Uh, not to take anything away from Pacquiao, uh, I definitely think uh, he had a great approach. Uh, he stayed in, in Ugas's face all night, but I definitely think he ate a whole ton of leather, leather uh, throughout the night. And, um, like I said, Jordanese worked his range from beginning to end. Uh, he had Pacquiao on the end of his power shots, on the end of his jab. Of course, uh, Manny would come in and kind of uh, try to put in his volume punching, what he's normally known for doing. But I don't think he had the same burst, and I don't think they would last, uh, those spurts would, have, would last as long as they used to. So I definitely think, um, you know, age has got up to him. Also, think you guys is a really good fighter as well that we just didn't know about, and sometimes it just takes a, it's you know it takes a situation like that for these fighters to be revealed for us. Um, it's ironic because Manny's first ever fight um, on a big time scale, now of course was in about 2004, and uh, he would take on um, this champion, IBF champion. Uh, his name was uh, Ledoro. Uh, Leduaba, and he, like I said, he was an IBF title holder at the time. Again, this is also in the super bantamweight division. Now, this is not to say that Manny wasn't a good fighter at the time or anything like that, because he was actually a WBC title holder. But we had just we hadn't seen him yet. 
all his fights up to this point had been in the had been in the Philippines. This was his first fight in America, his first fight in a uh, nationally te- televised audience, at least um, you know in America. And he came into this fight, of course, the underdog. Came in same type of situation, two weeks notice. Like I said, against a champion with Laba, and uh, he made the most of his opportunity. He would end up knocking out uh, Ladwaba in the sixth round. Um, and this was uh, the cold part because this was Ladwaba's sixth defense of his title. Uh, he was supposed to be taking on somebody completely different. Um, I think a more higher, I guess, a higher caliber opponent that would, you know, with more potential to get more viewers and all that. But uh, Pacquiao uh, took it upon himself where, you know, yeah, he t- you know, made the best of the situation, like I said, and got a six-round knockout win. And I just think it's ironic that, you know, he came into the, you know, again, again, he was already, he'd been around for some years now, but again, you know, this was the fight that got him, you know, into our knowledge banks and, you know, let us know who he was. I just think it's ironic how his last fight could very well be in those same circumstances where he kind of, you know, in a way, you know, with this win, maybe Ugas becomes in a way the next you know, Manny Pacquiao in different, in, you know, in a way, you know, he takes this and becomes a great champion, a multiple time champion, uh, like Manny Pacquiao did with his situation. So again, uh, I just wanted to point out the irony in that because again, I just thought it was funny. I mean, I, I remember, uh, vividly his first fight, um, not knowing anything about him and not knowing where he came from. And I remember him knocking out, you know, this champion at the time. And he, from then on, you just hear about him fighting, you know, Marco Antonio Barrera, Hall of Famer, uh, Eric Morales, another Hall of Famer, and so on and so forth, Juan Manuel Marquez. And, you know, he has the, the great four fights with him. And, you know, he also has the fight with, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather. And this doesn't happen if he doesn't get past Ladwaba. It doesn't happen if he doesn't take the two-week notice fight. So, um, again, uh, Ugas earned the win. Um, again, Pacquiao probably wasn't prepared for him per se, uh, for him, you know, his personal style. Um, I, with that being said, I don't think that Ugas was a hundred percent prepared for Manny's style. Uh, cause you know, again, he wasn't, I mean, he was probably ready in terms of training. Uh, he's probably been training for a while now. He's probably been staying in great tip top shape. That's what it looked like to me, but, uh, he probably wasn't ready for Manny's style per se. He probably hadn't been sparring, uh, with anybody like him yet, uh, just yet. So again, so good look on, uh, Jordanese's part, you know, uh, just kind of coming in and taking the most, making the most of his opportunity. Because again, similar to Manny Pacquiao, it wasn't like he was, you know, a scrub. I'm not going to say he was a scrub. He just said he wasn't as well known. He already had a, a world title though. Just like Manny Pacquiao, he came into that fight, or at least at that time he had been a world champion. Um, so again, uh, you know, kind of the same situation. And it's, again, the irony for me kind of says, for me, maybe Pacquiao, maybe it is, maybe he is done. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, again, I don't, I don't see how much it would have been. I don't see how how different it would have been against um, Spence. Spence is a whole different monster. I recently looked back, uh, looked back at that Keith Thurman fight again, and I saw that that fight was a little bit closer than what people saw it as well. Some people saw it as well. So um, definitely, the age gets the best of you. And then also, not to take away nothing from Ugas, he really fought a great fight. Uh, but as far as Manny Pacquiao, this might. This might be the end. I mean, he might have enough in him for one more great fight. Um, but who knows? Who really knows? Uh, that's really up to him what he wants to do. Uh, he's had a great run of it regardless. Um, but 
Again, the better man got the W that night. All right, y'all. I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Um, my next episode, I will be breaking down some college football. We do have that coming on this weekend. So I want to uh, give you guys some more of a, a preview on that. We'll be going over the top 25, going over some headlines, uh, going on, uh, kind of breaking down some of these conferences. Uh, it might not be all this weekend, but as uh, the days go on, we'll start breaking down some more college football. Of course, uh, we have another week of uh, preseason football starting tomorrow, Friday to be exact. Uh, I will did want to go over some pre uh i guess some preseason trades yeah that's what you want to call them uh the raiders did make a trade for linebacker denzel perriman i wanted to break that down a couple different trades and trade possibilities out there and of course we are you know we're wrapping up everything in terms of the mlb season so we're getting close to the end we're gonna break it down some of these uh these series and also uh on a news front uh any new uh news uh you know, news to be coming from uh, this recall election, of course, you know, that's coming up, at least the results of it, or at least our election is going to be coming up soon. Uh, any more news that I find out about the candidates, I'll try to spread it, uh, spread it to you guys. Also, uh, I wanted to get into what's going on with Afghanistan as well. So a few things to get uh, get through. Uh, also, of course, got the YouTube stuff going on. If you haven't yet, please uh, do uh, do me a favor and check that out. Uh, check out my sports stories uh, about Brian Potter. That video is um, is um, very popular right now. Uh, again, uh, a lot of that is having to do with what's going on in the news cycle. With that, uh, it was the video itself was about a cold case, and fortunately for the young gentleman involved in my video, again, um, his case was solved, and uh, there's been some justice there. So please do me a favor, y'all, uh, check that out. That's one of my most popular videos right now, already over 10,000 views, and I'm trying to do something with this, y'all, this YouTube channel. So if you can take a chime, take a chance to uh, listen to me. Uh, hear me out, uh, give me a like, some comments, constructive criticism goes a long way. Um, anything you do, follow me on Instagram, um, Jamal 791 E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, also, uh, in terms of YouTube, I also got, a, I also got the uh, SummerSlam review. That should be coming out pretty soon. Also, Floyd Mayweather, career retrospective. I'm going to be busy, so it's it's just going to keep coming and keep coming as, as, as much as I can. All right, y'all. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll holler at you guys later.